0: From First Family Church in Ankeny, Iowa, you're listening to a message from the series Traction, Getting Past Your Past. For more information and messages, visit our website at firstfamily.church.
1: I wonder if these words would describe some of the wrestling match of your soul. Maybe over this past week maybe the past few months, or maybe even the past few years, would these words describe the tension, the grappling that's going on inside your heart? Lord, I've got no more tears to cry. Someone's hurt me. They've done me wrong. And I'm walking wounded. Lord, this pain, it's like a knife of fire. Why does it have to turn out this way? Why do the innocent seem to pay? Lord, I really don't understand. I'm looking around for some stones to throw. But you're telling me I should let it go? How many times must I stand in the waves of this crashing sea? How many times Must I forgive all the hurt that's been done to me? Let the jury go and set the sinner free? How many times? Seventy times seven. That's the answer the Lord gave to Peter when he asked, How many times must I forgive? And he didn't give him a mathematical equation so Peter could begin to count. <laughs> All right? The point was, don't keep track. just forgive, and forgive continuously. We saw last week why this matters, didn't we? Second Corinthians chapter two, verses five through 11. We realized that forgiveness is a top-tiered weapon in our fight. Against Satan. And when we don't forgive, Satan is just one step closer to winning than we are. He's just always a step ahead of us. He has an advantage. He outwits us. He's outsmarting us. And so we know why we should forgive. But as you stand in the waves of that crashing sea, as you continuously forgive over and over, the question that rings through our mind is this. How do I do that? How do I live a life of Ephesians 4.32? Which says this. You may want to find this in your Bible. Read it with me. But here's what the scriptures say. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. And watch this phrase. Forgiving one another. Here's the, the, the constant lifestyle of one of God's followers one of forgiveness, and here's why, because God in Christ has forgiven us. So if, if, if we're committed to this kind of lifestyle where in our life we display forgiveness and there's not an absence of it, how is that done? I think that's the question that's been resonating in your mind and my mind for the past week as we delved in this topic last week, and probably for many of you, You've had questions for months, maybe years. How do I go about something this difficult, this hard? Too many times when we don't approach this and attack this with spiritual vigor, we do find ourselves stuck, and I've been praying earnestly all week that many would find Not just the why to forgive, but the how to forgive in the power of Christ so that they would begin making traction, significant, observable progress in their spiritual walk and no longer be stuck in the rut or spinning their wheels. So this morning, we're going to answer some how questions in regards to forgiveness. How do we display this kind of life beyond 490 times? (laughs) How do we learn to forgive? as God in Christ forgave us. To do that, I want to have the elders join me for the remainder of our time together. So elders, would you go ahead and find your place on the platform with me, please? We're going to answer your questions that came in last week, and we'll take some on the spot as well. So if you have your phone and you want to be engaged in the service, even beyond um, just the questions that we'll bring up, please feel free to text me. I'll take a couple that are uh, being texted in first to give you guys a chance to think. And then, uh, perfect, just the right number. I was so afraid all week I was going to miscount, you know, and have an extra elder or something. We got Aaron Crabs out of town this week, so he's not able to join us. But we're just going to take your questions as they came in the last week or so. Uh, these guys have been pre- prepping all week. We're going to just root our answers, of course, in the Word of God. That's the only source of authority we have. And so, as your, as your shepherds under our chief and great shepherd, Jesus Christ, we're going to come to you, and, and, and with the authority of the Word of God, just kind of lean on you and lean on each other to understand some of the how aspects of forgiveness, all right? Uh, so feel free to text some questions in. We'll take a few in a moment. You may find some varying opinions in areas where there could be differences, um, so be aware of that. Situations are all different, but we're going to root all of our answers in God's Word, and we'll just kind of plod through this and see how the Holy Spirit would, would move us to live in an Ephesians 4, 32 manner, okay? Let me pray for us. Can I do that? I want to pray especially for our elders this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for these men. Um, They're a gift in my life, and I just thank you for their willingness to pastor along with me in this body here. Lord, all eight of us, we just come up under your authority. We don't have any wisdom. We're not the experts uh, we're not like, we don't have this down pat. We want to walk with our people in your wisdom. And we want to point our people to, to your word and to to your ways. So would you give us the the humility to approach this topic with our people this morning in exactly that manner. And I pray your Holy Spirit would just anoint and fill these men, would be very present in this room, and that we would have ears to hear what your spirit would say to this church in Jesus' name, we pray, Amen. Let's take our first question, shall we? And I'm just going to start with you, Ed, if I can. I've told the men at front. I said you guys can uh, chime in if you want. You want to, it's not a class. You want to raise your hand, just get a mic and chime in. There's one on this side, and then there's a couple on that side, and they'll just pass them back and forth. And I'll just kind of moderate, facilitate, fill in where I want to as well. Okay, uh, first question. Ed, I'll let you kind of kick us off. Can an unbeliever experience or give true forgiveness?
2: Yeah, I think that the, uh, the question kind of comes to us from two points of view. Uh, can an unbeliever experience forgiveness? Yes, an unbeliever can experience forgiveness. And the beginning point of that is really at the heart of the gospel and our need for salvation that we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and experience his forgiveness in our hearts and lives, and so forgiveness from God uh, in that respect. Can an unbeliever experience forgiveness from another believer or another person? Yes. Uh, Forgiveness is something that is offered by a person who's been hurt or wronged or offended or has cause against another and... It's a point of releasing that individual, saying, uh, you, you are released. And whether a person is an unbeliever or a believer, if they have wronged us, as a Christian, we have to deal with our responsibility to forgive. In fact, most of the people, probably, in your life and mine, that we have to forgive are unbelievers. And... Our releasing of them from some hurt or something that happened even in the past. And so we have to deal with it from that perspective. So can they experience forgiveness and all the love and grace that goes with it, both from God and from other believers? Yes, they can. The other part of it is can they give true forgiveness? I believe that they can because any person can release another person from hurt or wrong or a debt owed, that kind of thing. Uh, Forgiveness is something that happens in the heart and the mind of an individual, so a person could forgive someone even if they were not a believer. Will they fully understand uh, and grasp all that forgiveness is about? Hmm. No, Uh, because they've not yet experienced the forgiveness that's in Christ. And so they don't have an in-depth understanding of it, the spiritual aspects of it, but they could release a person in their own heart and mind And so, yeah, I believe that they could uh, do that. One other brief thing that goes along with that is some people feel that uh, if an individual forgives them, then that means that they are forgiven in the sight of God. I knew of a man who was dying. A friend who was a Christian came by, and he had been taught, the man who was dying, had been taught that someone needed to absolve him of his sin. So he asked this faithful Christian man who was a deacon and leader in the church, Will you forgive my sins? And he misunderstood the concept of thinking that if we receive forgiveness from an individual, uh, that we've also automatically received forgiveness from God. It is not in our power to absolve people of their sins uh, before God. They still have to deal with that individually. So I, I think that uh, that addresses the heart of the matter. The answer is I think yes in both cases, with those qualifications.
1: There's one reason in the New Testament that the crowds were so astounded when Jesus said, uh, "I forgive you of your sins. Take up your bed and walk." Because they responded, "Who is this guy that can forgive sins?" You know what you're saying that only God can do that. And so he, in that action, was representing and saying he was God. So. Any other comments from you guys in addition to Ed, or are you that brave to comment after Ed speaks?
3: <laughs> I was thinking about that question maybe from a little different angle. You touched on it, Ed. First uh, John 4 talks about what love is. And so I think unbelievers can experience love, but there's this ultimate love that maybe they're missing out on. And I think that speaks to forgiveness as well, right? When they're offended, they have the ability to let it go. But there's this ultimate love. There's this love or, an unforgiveness or forgiveness from the Father that... Only believers experience, and so I think there's an aspect of forgiveness that, uh, that we experience that they'll never truly know and understand. So.
1: Why don't we do this? We should have done this earlier. Why don't we just take a second and let the guys introduce themselves? You may not know them. Some may be new here today, or you may be just attending the last few months. So why don't we start with you, Edgar? Introduce yourself with your first and last name, and then that way you'll at least know kind of
4: who they are. Yeah,
2: I'm Edgar Cabrera.
1: Use the mic if we can.
4: Use the mic here. Edgar Cabrera.
2: I'm Ed Gregory.
4: Chris Eller, Travis
5: Walker, Brad Miller, Dave Nelson,
1: and Aaron Crabb is absent today. So that's who the elders are. Uh, let's take a second question. Edgar, I will give this one to you, and then I'm on the third one. Dave, and we'll come to the opposite end and start with you, Dave. So we'll start here with Edgar on this one. Um, what if the person you cannot forgive is yourself?
4: Uh, well, I uh, I'm thinking that biblically that is kind of impossible in terms of i haven't found uh in the bible where you offend yourself i mean I'm, I'm thinking of the profile of a of forgiveness you know there is an offender and there is somebody that was offended and typically you are offended by somebody else so i'm thinking that uh it's impossible for you to offend yourself and then ask yourself for forgiveness and forgive yourself So from that perspective, I think uh, it's uh, perhaps not a concept that is found in the Bible. However, there may be something that when people use that uh, phrase or that statement uh, represents something else. Mm. I looked this up and uh, uh, I found a passage in scripture that perhaps uh, addresses that a little bit. And it has to do uh, with uh, Paul uh, when he realizes that uh, the, the the church, uh, they sin in the church, in, in Corinth, uh, the Corinthian church, and he sends them a letter, and it's a rebuke. Hmm. Uh, and um, uh, it's, it's a tough letter. When they receive it, uh, you know, it's, they feel uh, bad about it. It stings. Yeah, it stings. And he uh, says in there that... Uh, he didn't mean to hurt him, and yet it, it hurt him to think about the fact that they were hurting. but the hurt that they experienced um, led them to repentance, so uh, he in a way couldn't forgive himself for not for hurting his own children, so to speak, uh, and so he felt bad about that, but uh, because of the hurt that he induced in them with that letter, it led them to repentance. And then he, was, he felt uh, fine about it. Uh, so he moved from that point of feeling bad about it uh, to uh, feeling it, like it was, it was something that was needed and appropriate. So perhaps we find ourselves in, in that kind of situation at times um, when we have offended somebody and uh, it probably we have a hard time uh, letting it go because the offense was perhaps pretty bad and we, we can't imagine that we did that. But we need to learn to live it in the hands of the Lord. Uh, if we have expressed uh, f- uh, you know, remorse and we have asked for forgiveness and the person especially, if they extend that forgiveness back to us, then we should let it go and accept God's having had died for our sin. It was a sin, but God's, Death on the cross should go
1: great. Yeah, there are any comments on that question before we move on? I want to see if... Dave, go ahead.
5: Sure. Yeah, I I would just say, you know, there's a difference between guilt and um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So Satan is going to do all that he can to try and drive you away from God. He's going to try and make you feel inadequate. He's going to try and make you feel unworthy. And the fact of the matter is we are, right? Uh, But through Christ, through the blood of Jesus, we have been washed clean so when you think about, like Romans 8 talks about the fact that, uh, that we are uh, living with Christ in our hearts, right? We've got the Holy Spirit with us. All of the things that we have, all of the things that we are, are because of God, because of what he has seen in us and what uh, he sent Christ to do for us. So when, when you feel like, I, I can't get past this thing that I've done, I can't get over this, you have to stop and remember As long as you've repented of that, you've got true repentance in your heart, God has already forgiven you. And so, therefore, it's really Satan who's trying to drive that wedge between you and God at that point. Hmm.
1: Respond to this, guys, because I've heard some people say in the past that when you can't forgive yourself, it's actually, and this may sting a little bit here. Hmm. uh, It's just pride in some form because you're unwilling to actually say, God has forgiven that and I accept that. You kind of want to keep holding yourself up to, like, no, you didn't cover that sin. I feel bad about it. You didn't cover that. So talk about that. Is this maybe some sense of maybe you said Satan coming at us? Is it maybe a subtle form of pride that we want to hold on to something that we just don't want to admit God actually forgave us?
3: Comments on that at all? I see a lot of nods. but uh, We talked about this in the, in, in the First Kings series with David's sin against Bathsheba and Uriah. And then we looked at uh, Psalm 51. And David's able to say, against you and you only have I sinned. And I think David's able to see with perspective that sin is ultimately mm. the greatest offense against the maker of heaven and earth. And I think that's a great reminder. So it is. It's a misunderstanding of, of sin when you hold that against yourself and think the greatest one offended is me. I think that's a misunderstanding mm. of sin. It's
0: good.
6: So I, I would, just to pick off what David said, we we have to understand one of the, the roles that Satan plays is the accuser of the brethren. So sin mm-hmm. has two aspects. There is the temptation that we follow that leads to sin. And then once you fall into that trap, there is the constant, sometimes lifelong um, voice of Satan in your head that is accusing you of that sin that, that has been forgiven. And if, if you go back to uh, Peter when... Peter denied Christ. Jesus led him through three different times of of essentially saying, you are forgiven, uh, when he restored him to his discipleship. It's not, I think, you know, you mentioned the 70 times 70. I don't think it's, it's a once and done either when it comes to forgiving ourselves. I think it's something that we have to take on a posture of forgiveness because Satan is constantly bringing up that sin and reminding us that we failed God at this moment and we are not worthy. Even though doctrinally and theologically we know that Christ paid for everything, Satan is there saying, but he didn't pay for that. that you're unworthy because of that. That accuser of the brethren that is constantly heaping guilt upon us.
1: That's uh, a good insight there.
2: Just a, a brief comment. I, to say amen to what my brothers have said, and to say, you know, when we're talking about forgiving ourselves, it is, it is assumed that we either have or we perceive that we have been the offender and that we need forgiveness rather than giving forgiveness. And so the question becomes, as has been alluded to, have we sought and received the forgiveness of the Lord? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have we sought and received it? If we truly have offended another, have we sought and received the forgiveness of the individual? They are the people who have been hurt and offended in this. And if that individual has forgiven us, uh, then have we been willing to receive that forgiveness uh, that God has given us? And maybe we're dealing with guilt and hurt and other things. But otherwise, we, we go against the two principles that we're really talking about here, God's forgiveness and the forgiveness of others that has been extended Uh, when we uh, don't accept that and apply it in our heart. I also agree with uh, Chris that there are times, uh, you know, it's going to come back up and it's going to haunt us. Satan is going to bring that weapon against us in the battle, and we just have to take them back to where we have uh, sought and received the forgiveness of the Lord and others whom we've offended. If we have sought it, have not sought it, then we need to do that. We need to deal with it, and sometimes that's what we're doing. We're struggling with uh, not willing to deal really before God and with others about what we've done. So we've got to be willing to do that. But once we've done all that we can do, even if, if they or the other person won't really forgive us, we've done all that we can do, then we rest in the promise of God that we're restored, we're forgiven, and we can move on with His strength and His grace from there.
1: Let me bring Brad in the conversation here. Oh, you want to comment on this one? Good. Yeah, I'll give you number three in a minute too.
0: I'll <laughs>
1: Well, I changed it because I, I couldn't get you to wait in here a little bit. I wanted to get you into conversation.
0: So, but with that question, there could be a lot of baggage that comes along with that in, in an individual's life as well. Um, and so I would just simply add this, that understanding the depth and the breadth of God's love that he has for you um, and, and just diving into Scripture, uh, when you have a better understanding that as as much as God can love you and, and can wrestle with that and <clears throat> comprehend that, um, I think it's easier then to realize if God's ready, willing, and able to forgive you, then um, maybe you should consider that yourself. So,
1: Amen. Let's just hold the mic. We'll go to three for you. Sure. I think Dave will understand. We can all chip in when we need to anyway. Here's the third question. After this, Evan, we'll take a live one if they've come in, okay? Here's the third question. Does... Biblical forgiveness require an audible statement to the offender?
0: Oh, good question. I would say um, if the offender is in front of you and asking for forgiveness, then yes. Um, Forgiveness, I think it's good to view forgiveness as a a two-way street. In other words, um, we love to receive forgiveness, but it's really hard to actually offer forgiveness. And so when you act, uh, when, you, when you look at forgiveness as, as an act of obedience, um, instead of maybe a, a tool for manipulation, um, we kind of can tend to hold forgiveness, forgiveness over people's head. Um, just realize it's a two-way street. And so um, it's really easy to receive forgiveness, uh, but it is difficult, very, very difficult uh, to offer forgiveness. But yes, I would say if, if, the, if, um, if the one offended is in front of you and is asking for forgiveness, uh, biblically it's really not an option. Um, we are mm-hmm. to forgive.
1: So would you say the word require would be prefaced with like if they're in front of you then? What if, they're not, what if they're not around? What if they passed away? What if they're miles away? Do you have to wait for a conversation to happen to actually forgive? Or When can it be a one-way street?
0: Yeah, I don't think, t- t- for me to release someone or, for, or to be released, no, I don't think it has to be an audible mm. uh, forgiveness.
1: I like how you put that, though. If they're there in front of you, why not? I mean, that seems like that's the most appropriate way, yeah.
6: Guys, any other comments on that? Just to piggyback, I, I think words mean things, and people need mm. to hear. Uh, so we'll, we'll date myself here, but when I was a kid, there was this program called Happy Days. <laughs> and there was this character on there called Fonzie and Fonzie was cool, and so as like a junior high, elementary age kid, I had this big poster of Fonzie in my room, you know, because Fonzie was. Cool. Yikes! But if you guys, <laughs> if you guys remember, what was something he had real h- trouble saying? He couldn't say "I'm sorry." You remember? He could. He he would say. He couldn't get the words out, and I think from a communication perspective, it's important that. As the offender, I say, I'm sorry to the person I've offended if they're there. And I think it's equally important for that person to reply back, I forgive you. Because I think those words have power. And it's like, maybe you grew up in a home where you had a parent that never said, I love you. Right? And if you were to challenge them with that, they say, well, you know I love you. It's not a matter of, you know, saying it. But sometimes... It's important to hear Amen. those words, just as it is important to be able to say, I forgive you, and let those words have power, and then live by them. Don't take them back, but live by those words of, I'm sorry,
4: and I forgive you. Hmm. Uh, can I can I add something to that? Uh, uh, sometimes you may want to... Inst- Uh, extend forgiveness, but the person may not be interested in that, may not want to hear it, you know, just turns you off. Uh, In that case, I think, um, you know, I was just thinking of uh, uh, Romans 12, uh, when he's talking about uh, never avenge yourself, vengeance is mine, and then he continues saying, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And in other words, bless your enemy. And you know, a lot of times that enemy in quotes may be your spouse, maybe your son, your daughter, or maybe your father, mother. So it's not like an enemy in the sense that we typically think of an enemy. But it, but the person may be acting in enmity towards you, um, and uh, it's offending you. So in that moment, it kind of feels like that. So a way to express forgiveness, um, even if audibly the person doesn't want to hear it, mm-hmm. is to bless them. I think blessing is a form of forgiveness where you, uh, the individual feels that you are uh, loving them you know, in a way, uh, and um, uh, so I think that, that, that should be our pattern as believers.
5: I think there's another aspect to this, too. I mean, it could be something where, you know, you had a traumatic life experience, and the the person who wronged you, I mean, we've been talking a lot about that person wanting to reconcile and wanting to say, you know, they're sorry and and own that that offense. You could have somebody in your life who's wronged you and has no desire to apologize, has no desire to say, hey, I understand what happened, and and I'm going to own that. In those cases, you can still provide forgiveness. You can still say in your heart, I... I know, just like Jesus sitting on the, you know, on the cross they're hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's forgiving them. He's asking for forgiveness, even though they themselves don't have a repentant heart. So you have to think about that from, you know, from that perspective, too, that you may not be able to reconcile. You may not want to reconcile with that individual. You may not have that opportunity, but you can still give that forgiveness. They then have to deal with their heart and, and deal with that side of, of the situation.
1: Let's take, see if any came in uh, on the spot. We have, let's take the first one of those two guys. This is what it's like to not know the question until it pops up. So, you ready for this? Here we go. Should we express forgiveness to a person who has not yet repented or repeatedly does us wrong? Rewind. (laughs) Any further comments on that, guys? What do you
5: think? I think we answered it, Okay. I answered it.
1: How about the person that repeatedly does us wrong? Seven times 77. Okay. You got a nice, slow, fat pitch there to begin with (laughs) that you weren't expecting. That's great. eh? Uh, Here's the next question. Let's take this one. Um, How do we go about forgiving wrongs experienced from an institution? And this came in several times this week. People who were saying, I was hurt by... And they would list an organization or a collection of people, an institution. Um, and that may be some of your story. So they couldn't pinpoint a person. And they were curious, how do we go about either forgiving wrongs, those wrongs... Uh, yeah, forgiving those wrongs unto us by
5: like a collection or an institutional or organization? In my opinion, it always comes back to an, an individual or a group of individuals. I, I don't think... You know, the church, let's say, you know, First Family Church is not an institution without the people, right? It, it mm-hmm. doesn't exist. So there ha- you have to get back to the root of what was the issue? What were the things that were said, that were done? What caused the issue? Who was a part of that? And, and kind of dive through that. Sometimes... Uh, I don't want to say we, we use the institutional thought as, a, as an excuse, but I think that can be a little bit of a, I don't have to get to the root of the issue through that. So I would say if, if you're really focused on the institution that wronged you, you probably need to dive a little bit deeper and say, what is the root of, of, my, of my anger, of my hurt, my, my frustration? Who's a source in, in that institution that's causing that? What if the source is a policy,
1: per se, and then someone just had to kind of enforce or enact that policy. But you feel like, man, I'm, I'm on the bad end of that policy now. And I'm upset about that. Or I feel hurt by that. What if it's a policy that someone just kind of enforcing? Ed, the mics closest to your mouth. We'll start with you. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the principle, the biblical principle or concept of forgiveness uh, is in play for us regardless of who or what has offended us. In the case of a policy... Let's just take, uh, for instance, uh, one that was mentioned in last Sunday's message of when church discipline has to be exercised. There are times when people are going to take offense at that. (laughs) But you have done the right thing, but they are offended by it. And in that case, you're dealing with a whole uh, different thing, and they are going to have to deal with whether they can come to a point of either uh, understanding why it had to be done and, and being able to work past it or forgiving if they really think that they have been done through the exercise of some policy. But I agree with Dave that almost always the point of offense is going to be connected to a person within the institution. Uh, we can feel that way, and uh, we're, we're going to have to deal with the, all the feelings and things that we have, not just toward an institution, but toward that particular leader or whomever. And I, I would say, uh, as we've referenced in one of the other answers to question Uh, that this is one of those points at which Satan really tries to make hay in our lives. Mm. If he can get us to feel that we have been offended by any church or institution, we no longer like the Lord's church. and uh, Or they hurt you, they wronged you. And it might have been when you were a child, it might have been as a young adult. You know, any point in your life might be a current situation. Don't allow the evil one. To take offense, uh, cause you to take offense at something that someone or some institution has done and have you turn your backs on the Lord and uh, walk away from finding the place where you can serve Him.
1: Maybe too often we assume that forgiveness means agreement. And I know personally there are times that um, I've been forgiven. And the person didn't agree, but they were just very Christian and cordial and nice. And you know, I don't agree, but I, I'm not going to let that be a hurt. And there have been times I've forgiven a group. Let's say, like you know, I don't agree with that, but it's not my decision. And so, there's nothing we're going to we're not holding thing against each other. I don't agree, but there's nothing residual from that. Does that make sense? So don't think that forgiveness. At least I don't think forgiveness is tantamount to agreement. That allows you to a group then, or to a collection of people, like Dave said. You have some names. You can just say, you know what? I'm not going to hold anything. I don't agree, but man, nothing residual from this point forward. That that's helped me personally. Mm-hmm.
4: I was also thinking that hardly anything in in life is unidimensional, uh, and uh, so forgiveness oftentimes involves other aspects or categories in uh, that are biblical. One of them. Of course, we've talked about it already. Is love your enemy? So, um, you know, even though we're talking about institution, you, you said it, uh, oftentimes it lands on on a leader or a leadership team or you know somebody. Um, the other, the other or the other category that I think uh, needs to be in place is forbearance. In other words, as believers, we are also. Um, Commanded to forbear, to just bear things, because hmm. uh, you know we we expect justice to take place. But for us as believers, uh, Christ has taken care of that, and so we must release it and forbear, even if it's unjust. But we leave it to the Lord, and we trust in Him that His dying on the cross will cover it.
1: Amen. Travis, I'm going to give you the next question live here. I know we have at least one more coming. We'll take it. Evan, you got that ready to pop up for us? Okay, here we go. If we do not forgive, can we then be denied entry to the kingdom?
3: I was going to talk about this, but then it came to a different question. So that's very helpful. (laughs) Thank thank you to whoever wrote that question. Um, Yeah, Matthew 6.15 says, For if you forgive others, their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I think what um, Matthew 6, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, is helping us understand what is true of people who have received forgiveness is implanted in them as a heart of forgiveness. And so it's a clear evidence of if you've received forgiveness from the Father, whether or not your heart of forgiveness is there for others, and so I think it's a great uh, litmus test of your own faith whether or not you're willing to forgive. And I have not been great at this throughout my life, but I've felt the conviction of the Spirit. I've felt God prodding at me, um, reminding me that Travis, don't forget your great debt that was forgiven. You better, you better have a heart of forgiveness, and I've given you the power to forgive and. So that's been a constant battle on my heart and my mind to be one that does forgive because I've received the forgiveness of the Father. So I think that's a big aspect of that that deals with that question.
1: So I'm going to press on this a little harder, kind of maybe put my finger where the bullet went in. Can we do that? So is the answer yes or no to that?
3: Um, it, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, just, Go to kind of honor the question. Uh, <laughs> Are we sense? saved when it, we forgive others? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's both and, isn't it? It's, can I say both and get away with that, right? It's uh, uh, faith and obedience, right? It's faith and repentance. It's, it's both, right? I think um, you can say yes and no, and no to both of those that question, I, I think, because they're hand in hand, right? Um, one that forgives is one that's been forgiven.
4: So, so maybe maybe if we put it this way, let's say... Uh, the question is, will I, if I haven't yet forgiven, for, forgiven somebody and I die, will I go to hell? Okay? Maybe that's a practical way to put it. Uh, and at that point, I would say that uh, the Lord can probably, say, if you think about uh, total forgiveness, full forgiveness, as a ripened fruit from the, that comes from your relationship with God, Uh, the Lord knows what's in your heart. And perhaps time has not passed enough for that seed to grow into a full mature fruit. And so your heart is working on it, but you know, sometimes the offenses are pretty grave and it takes some time. So I think the Lord knows your heart. You have not perhaps gotten to that point, but other fruits in your life show evidence Mm. of your trust in the Lord and your dependence on him. I would say in that case, you're not going to go to hell. It's just in that case, Christ dying for you will cover that thing, that that aspect of it.
1: Brad, you were going to reach for a mic as well, I
0: believe. Yeah, I just, it's a it's kind of a broad question, so I, I guess I would answer it like this: If uh, if you're genu- genuinely saved, um, you know, I don't want you to think that. Uh, You know, go back through your entire life. Did I forgive every single person? Uh, If you're genuinely saved, um, I believe God has a a spot for you in heaven. If in through life, though, if the pattern is I just refuse to forgive in a continual basis, then the conversation really should probably be with you and God. And God, am I really saved? Have you regenerated my heart? Uh, Like Travis said, um, you know, if that seed's been planted in you, uh, if you fully understand how God has forgiven you and what he did for you, then you would more than likely have a heart that would probably lean in that direction. So,
1: Good. Good nuances to this question. That's good. Uh, let's take another here that these guys have known about. Um, here's two I'll take together, and then we'll probably wrap this up in the next few minutes, but these two we'll, we'll take together. Is there a right way and a wrong way to forgive? And I think it's combined with this next one. How do we remain objective in forgiveness? This person was mentioning that often we just want to take the victim role immediately. Uh, but how do we remain objective? And, and is there a right way and a wrong way to go about this thing called forgiveness? Um, I don't know. It's, it's a kind of a broad question again. What do you think? You might want to kind of tackle that one. Should I call on you, Chris?
5: Okay, Dave. And then we'll. So I'll start just reading. Um... Colossians 3, starting at verse 12. Therefore, as God, God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has, <clears throat> has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also are to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I think that... It kind of speaks for itself, right? Bond, that perfect bond of unity coming out of love. So when you're thinking about that, for, that forgiveness, stop and think about how much you love that individual, how much God loves that individual, and how that bond of unity through love is going to help that reconciliation process. And I think what that will do is that will help put the proper perspective on your relationship with God, and therefore helps reset your relationship with all of those around you.
1: Hmm. That's a good right way to forgive. That leads toward unity. Maybe a wrong way would be, someone mentioned this earlier, if it's a, who said that, a tool of manipulation? Did someone mention that? I think Brad, you did. That might be, not might be, that would be a wrong way to appear to be forgiving if you're trying to leverage someone or move someone to your way. Yeah. what should we do? This kind of fits in that same vein. What should we do to guard against arrogance and pride while we are forgiving? Like you're now the really spiritual one. Look what a good thing I'm doing to you. How do we guard against that while we're forgiving?
6: Do you want to take
3: it?
4: I was just thinking, you know, um, if you keep, um, what, the, I think of the, of the parable of the unforgivable or the unforgivable servant, and um, if we keep that in mind, uh, meaning that, um, you know, this, the master forgave this servant a huge debt, millions of dollars, and let him go, and then he turned around and, in a servant-to-servant relationship, went and, and exacted uh, uh, what the uh, the other servant owed him ten dollars. You know, so you have a comparison of ten dollars versus ten million dollars, and he he choked him, um, you know, asking for 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 the money that he owed him. So. The, when the master heard about it, he called him back and said, I'm going to put you in jail, send you to the torturers until you pay the last penny. And so will I do to those who don't forgive their brother. And so I think if we keep that in mind and recognize what, um, uh, what we have been forgiven, that's the model that should help us because there is infinite value uh, what God has forgiven from us, you know, has infinite value. He's infinitely valuable. So we do so much more damage in a day to God than everybody does to us in a day. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think if we keep that in perspective, it helps us to, to, to forgive. Chris,
1: any comments you have on that at all?
6: No. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I knew that was coming.
6: All right.
2: Ed? Just, just a brief comment. You know, I think in everything we do, we always have to watch and guard our motives and why we're doing what we're doing and, and expressing what we're expressing. If we're truly forgiving, uh, ask first, can I just do this in my heart and never say anything? Uh, if I, where Amen. that I, I'm really, the forgiveness has taken place before I start to express it. Because Amen. sometimes if arrogance and pride are involved or our real motive is that we just want to get in another dig uh, about uh, something that's happened to us, and so it gives us an absolute, then then we've sinned other sins. Arrogance and pride are just as much a sin as unforgiveness or other things that we might do. And so we have other issues to deal with. So we've got to guard our hearts and our motives all the time because in in reality, we can sin against someone who has offended us while we're expressing forgiveness toward them. (laughs) If our heart, our attitude, and our motives aren't right.
1: Yeah, if you're counting or need credit, you're proud. And Brad, you were going to say something as well. No, Ed
0: just said, as usual, our, our elders' meetings would be half as long as they are if Ed would just talk first. <laughs> usually so. No, he said what I was going to say.
4: I, I was just thinking, you know, the battle for us uh, obviously is not to offend as believers, but probably a stronger battle for us is not to sin as we are being offended, <laughs> you know, the, the reaction that's that we good. may have.
1: You know, I would say that's, uh, Brad mentioned our meetings and our, our, our team here, but I could say at least there's three guys here I know I've had to go to and say on this team, hey, I was wrong, will you forgive me? And in that, exchange there wasn't sin on their part or in their response i mean it's just forgiving is what we do a lot of times isn't it guys we just when you run close together and you're working and you're ministering i think you know that from church life and we've said this before it takes a thousand forgivenesses for a church to work well and if anyone were to root themselves in some sense of like well i'm going to hold on to something man it'll just slow down the wheels and you individually or us collectively just won't really get much traction
6: that's true for the home too yeah. Marriage and family. Mm. I mean, that's forgiveness is the grease that keeps those functioning well.
1: Let's just, uh, is, there, is there another live question, Evan? Okay, we'll take one more here and I think we'll try to wrap this up here. Is reconciliation required after forgiveness? So they're seeing these as different things. And uh, maybe we could just address this for a moment. We'll start on that end. Dave, Brad, you guys, we'll just kind of work our way down this way. You guys want to comment on that? Is reconciliation required after forgiveness?
0: Uh, I would say no. Um, There are probably situations where reconciliation is not possible or um, even beneficial. But if possible and whenever possible, I think we should uh, seek reconciliation as well.
1: So I'm hearing you kind of describe that maybe as a spectrum reconciliation like to what degree can you reconcile and make this okay
5: again I, th- I think if we're looking at things through the the lens of unity then yes you're going to need to to have reconciliation there's going to have to be work towards that is it always going to be instant no could it take years decades yes right so there's different circumstances around that uh, but like brad said i, I don't think there's it's healthy to have reconciliation in all circumstances. Um, and again, it, it also depends on the other side of that individual, or the, the, the individual on the other side of that equation. Uh, have they um, forgiven themselves? Have they forgiven you? Have, have they repented? You know, uh, are they believers? Do they want reconciliation? Are they still in the patterns of what they were doing before? Um, so there's a lot of things around that reconciliation that can make it ugly and long. So I'm hearing words like boundaries parameters are part of this
1: reconciliation thing that you have to kind of work through then or establish, but it doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Travis, Chris, work away this way. Anything you want to add to that as we kind of wrap this up?
6: I would just add that don't confuse forgiveness with forgetfulness. I think those are two different aspects, and you could forgive somebody, but the memories of what happened are still there. And those are things that you will live with, and The the challenge is to learn to view those memories through the lens of forgiveness rather than allowing it to continue to hold the pain in your life and and ultimately turn to bitterness which turns to anger and onward. So reconciliation implies that you forget or in some way are able to get past that pain and that may not always be possible. I mean, there's things where you... I agree with Brad, you know, if you were offended as a child, and that's a tough thing. I mean, but you have to live with that. And so how you look at those memories, you can forgive the offender, but I think the painful memories are still there. And so it's learning to look at those through the lens of forgiveness and not allowing those memories to hold you captive as an adult.
4: Hmm.
2: Uh, One other thought. Um, I think reconciliation should always be the goal or the objective or the desired outcome, and that we should seek it. And I also think that the Scripture teach in Matthew 6 and Matthew 18 that whether you are the offender or the offended, you have personal responsibility to do what you can to reconcile uh, with the individual or or the the people or whomever uh, that has been involved in the offense. So I do think that that should be our objective. It's not always possible. And there are times when you've done what you can do, and you just have to move on. But the, uh, the fact is, I think the help, the outcome, the best outcome, would be reconciliation, if it is at all possible.
4: Amen. I, I, uh, I do agree uh, very much with what has been said. You know, you have two halves uh, that take place. The offense happens, and uh, the one offended must forgive the one who offended him. And uh, uh, so it is our responsibility to do our part. You know, as far as it depends on you, live peacefully with everyone. And so we extend forgiveness, but that doesn't necessarily mean the other individual will accept the forgiveness. Hmm. So I think two miracles take place in in that kind of situation. Just us forgiving is a miracle because everything in us cries out to not do it, you know. Uh, so, so and then the other miracle is for the other person to repent, mm. and sometimes that other miracle hasn 't happened, but as far as it depends on you, we should extend that and I think we, there may be also uh, much of what much like what uh, Chris was saying here, sometimes it, I mean forgiveness can take place, and the hate for the sin that took place exists. You can get away from that, uh, perhaps. Uh, the other thing would be to um, uh, just um, recognize that the other individual may not, may not extend that, uh, and, and yet, so you don't experience that robust, full forgiveness in the whole uh, situation, but you can be at peace. Always blessing the other individual doing those things, not taking revenge, you know, mm-hmm. uh, blessing them, praying for them, helping them when they are in need, all of those things aren't just symbols that you have actually
1: forgiven them. That's amen. I like the idea of two miracles. I mean, really, that's what Ephesians 4.32 says. Can we show that verse as we close, Evan? It's a good word there for us, Edgar. But here's two miracles in this verse. We're to be kind, compassionate, tender-hearted, and forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave us. There's two miracles. Amen. And that's the heartbeat of your elders, if I can just steal that phrase for a minute, is that you would live continuously with two miracles going on, extending forgiveness and then enjoying forgiveness. All right? Can we bow our heads and pray now?
0: We hope you enjoyed today's sermon. For more messages, visit firstfamily.church forward slash sermons. Thanks for listening.